When Dutch people ask me where I'm from, I got jumbled up in my words. Well, I was born in the U.S., but I've lived in the Netherlands for 17 years. I have both a Dutch and an American passport. I guess I feel 60% American and 40% Dutch because America is where my roots are? What a long answer to a simple question. I can't get away with that as an easy cocktail hour conversation. The more this question came up, the more I started thinking about and wondering, where do I feel most at home? There are loads of people out there in the world like me, people deemed as global citizens. But what does that really mean? Where's home for global citizens who have lived half their life in a country other than where they were born? I'm Hannah Huber, and I'm so glad you found this podcast where I'll share the stories of global citizens and how they found their place in the world. For the first series of episodes, I want to focus on how the pandemic has shifted our perception of home. When the COVID-19 pandemic hit, for the first time in my life, I cannot be with my family, when family is so much a part of home to me. This virus is asking us to define who we are and where our home is. My hope is that these stories from global citizens provide you with insight and inspiration, and that these stories help you determine what's needed in order for you to call a place home. I have my international girlfriend, Posse. We call ourselves the Boss Ladies, and we stay in touch through a WhatsApp group. This WhatsApp group has turned out to be a huge support during the pandemic. One of us was hit hard with COVID-19. The rest of us are afraid of getting it. We laugh, we cry, we curse. We help each other get through this. All of us have roots elsewhere, but found our home in the Netherlands and with each other. This episode highlights the importance of friendship for calling a place home. Amola, tell them the maggot story. 150 maggots. That was like my zombie apocalypse moment. Well, if the maggots didn't get to your attention, I don't know what will. But let me start off by introducing my friends to you so that you can match a name with a voice. Yoka is originally from Belgium and moved to the U.S. in high school. We met at a lacrosse game in college, and we both moved to Amsterdam around the same time in 2004. Her for her work and me for love and studies. And we've been friends ever since. I asked her what puts her right back at home, a smell or an object. Yeah, my, my, the smell that uh, evokes America to me the most is I moved to the U.S. when I was a, just a teenager and I joined the soccer team or my New Jersey soccer team. And it was really hardcore that, you know, it was practice every day and twice on Saturdays. And that smell that you get at the end of summer um, when the asphalt is still hot from the summer, but then it rains because like fall is starting and that hot, wet asphalt smell really makes me think of soccer practice because you're on the parking lot and you're going to the fields. For some reason, when I smell that, and it's not that often you smell it in the Netherlands because we don't get that combo of hot asphalt and then rain that often. But yeah, that, that sort of fall-ish smell really, I was like, oh, that really slams me back to New Jersey. Saren and Yoga met on The Knot, an online community for wedding planning. We were all planning our weddings around the same time, but couldn't go to each other's weddings because the timing just didn't work out. Like me, she's American, married to a Dutchman. We stood side by side with our pregnant bellies in Vondel Park doing outdoor workouts before it was a thing. And now her oldest is a teenager. Uh, to be honest, I had a little bit of a tricky, a hard time with this question. I, I've lived in so many places in the U.S. that it's hard for me to 
pinpoint exactly which place is, is home. Um, probably the strongest memories come from my family farm where my father uh, still lives today. And the far, farm smells um, hay being, being uh, cut in the, in the fall and um, yeah, the cattle in the spring. Um, yeah, I think that those are the, the smells that, that, that bring me back home the most. And they're smells that I smell here sometimes, even in Amsterdam. So then it kind of brings me right back, uh, right back to my family farm. Imola is Romanian and Canadian. She met her Canadian husband in Toronto, and they've lived in Amsterdam for more than a decade. Our kids used to go to the same school until I moved out to the boonies. Um, good to see everyone here, but one of the things I realized is maybe something about the time of night, but I, I'm now thinking about street hot dogs, chicken wings, and nachos, which is how the summers are characterized in Toronto. There's a lot of patio weather, patio weather celebrated go-to experience in the after the long winter and that's a very Canadian moment that everyone's out outside on the terrace and enjoying the summer and that's missing the summer in Canada this year was really hard not being able to see everybody there so I think the nostalgia for absolutely horrible pub food seems to have stuck to me <laughs> as we go into November of this year. Colleen was on the panel that interviewed me for a job years ago and we've been friends ever since. Colleen is Canadian, from Winnipeg, and she met her Samoan German husband while studying abroad on Erasmus in France. She's also the one among us who got hit hard with COVID-19 last spring. Well, mine is also a smell, which is probably not a coincidence, because I think there's a lot of research that links like memories to smells. Um, so mine is actually, it's very Canadian and it's the smell of a bonfire. So just like an open fire somewhere, which again, you don't have that often in the Netherlands, but the few times that I smell like an open bonfire, I'm just like incredibly homesick and nostalgic. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's definitely that kind of smoky wood burning outside foresty sort of smell. Nice. And now that we've all been introduced with our go-to home smells and names with voices, I'm going to jump right into it. What I find to be the most fascinating questions that I want to, I know we've had many conversations before through WhatsApp um, and we've shared some of the things together, but how has your definition, definition of home changed since March and in what way? If anyone wants to jump on that one first, I'd love to hear um, well, for me, it's definitely become more precious, the whole idea of home. Um, I always said I never felt that homesick here because it always felt so easy to be able to go home, even though I may have only gone home once or twice a year. Just knowing that that was always a possibility um, made the distance not seem so far. But now that it's not possible or that it's very difficult, it for the first time since I've lived here, really, it's felt like home is really far away. Yeah, I think that's probably something that we all relate to is the fact that we probably all all are in a situation where we took a little bit for granted how easy it was for us to go home, or at least like Saren says, how we always had that possibility. And we never imagined a world where that possibility would not be there. Like we knew, okay, maybe we would come upon difficult times health-wise or financially-wise, and maybe it would be less possible. But the idea for me of not knowing when I'll next be able to go to Canada 
that is a difficult uh, pill to swallow. Well, for me, I've noticed that there's like a push and pull because uh, my family is originally from here and comes here all the time uh, with my parents and my sisters. I miss that they like I feel like, oh, they can't come here. And that sucks because they usually spend time here. I have less of a feeling about going to the U.S., but I do feel that way about my husband's family who's in Philadelphia. And there I do feel like, oh, man, we didn't get to go to Philadelphia this year. You know, and that like the summer by the pool that my kids experience at their Baba and Daddy's house. And then, um, you know, I'm from Belgium, which is just two hours south of here, which has always been such a boon of living here in Amsterdam. So my whole family's there. And it always felt so close after having my teen years in America. And now it feels so far because for a long time I couldn't cross the border. And um, my favorite person, to vi- my whole family lives there, but my favorite person to visit is my 94-year-old grandma. And she's in a um, rest home and the COVID rules are just constantly shutting down with it. Like I've literally only been able to see her once this year and she's 94. That's an atrocious record so there again I feel like I can't go there so there's like a like with my family I miss that they can't come here with the Nudges family I miss that I can't go there and with my Belgian family I would have never thought I felt far away from Belgium but I haven't seen my Belgian family in a really long time either and that's horrible yeah that's a good point just right across the border mm-hmm. yeah I actually felt more centered at home here than ever before um, I think, you know, and having grown up in Romania for a decade and then Canada for two decades and then having now our in-laws in Australia, I always felt like this really spread person where we had both cultural identities to a lot of places, but also responsibilities to visit a lot of places. And home was this diasporous thing that got spread like a gum that was a bit too thin, wasn't sure what was home. And at this time, I actually felt like my own personal beliefs were very centered in the context of Amsterdam and the way the government handled uh, our lockdown and our mediation of the situation much better. Whereas I would watch the news in Canada or in Australia or other contexts like Romania and think that's really off-centered to how I believe this should be done. And, you know, felt kind of grateful that this was, this was where I found myself during the situation rather than in any of those other homes. Mm. Yeah, that's interesting. That kind of leads into the next question. How uh, has a pandemic made you look at your home country differently or has it affected your decision to stay in the Netherlands? Uh, as an American, I just, I feel like uh, America has lost her crown in a way, just watching from the sidelines all these years and kind of ignoring in a sense what's been going on there. And now it's just so prevalent and we are at home more, we're reading the news more, we're seeing more. And just to see what's happening in the country where you're from, not being able to recognize it anymore, like just not recognizing where you're from and your roots. That's been especially hard, I think, for me. And that's made me look at my idea of the Netherlands differently. I used to always say, oh, I'm, I guess I'm 40% Dutch, 60% American, but now I feel like that's almost been switched. And, you know, you start, when you start doing percentage-wise of where you're from. So I don't know if any of you experience the same thing, if this is, you know, just to see how things are handled in your home country versus where you are now. I'm, I feel good to be where we are right now during this pandemic. As hard as it is to be far away from my brothers and my parents, but yeah, it has shifted my idea of my home country. And for now it's made me want to stay here for at least another three to five years. <laughs> trying not to look too far ahead. How about yeah, I, I feel the same way that Imola does where I think Um, you know, Canada normally has a relatively balanced approach to things, but I would say that Canada tends to always err on the side of caution. Um, And so I think 
Canadian policies around COVID and around lockdowns were much more extreme out of their sort of cautionary um, attitude. And I do feel like the Dutch uh, policies are more at line or more in line with my own comfort levels. So in Canada, you know, children are wearing masks to school. It's much more rigid for children. And I just fear that in Canada, children are absorbing a lot more of the fear. Anxiety, um, yeah. Yeah, and, and that worries me. That worries me for my nieces and um, the rest of my family in Canada that I really feel like children in the Netherlands have been spared sort of the mental anguish that I fear children mm. in other countries are possibly absorbing. I feel like regardless of what we're doing, masks or not masks, going to the grocery store or not, hanging out with one friend, two friends, six friends, now back to two friends, back to what, you know, whatever it is, I do feel like at least in the Netherlands, it's like, this is what we're, hey guys, this is what we're going to do. This is the plan. And everybody's like, all right, well, we'll do that plan. Yeah. You know, in the U.S. it becomes this like political, not that there haven't been incidents here on public transport and all that, but in general, we say, this is what's happening. This is what we're going to do. And everybody's like, all right do it you know and then I just feel like uh, in the U.S. people just get it, it gets so polarized and it's like why this is not a polarizing thing <laughs> this is a thing yeah. we should all beat work on together yeah. yeah and I was wondering especially for um Imola and Yoga you both actually have family members that have moved to Amsterdam um whether that I think if you we both convinced our siblings but yeah, you, you, and so, and I'm wondering, you know, if it's, oh, wouldn't that be nice to be able to bring family members over and what does that, does it help ease the pain of not being able to make it back to see your parents or, you know, to actually have a sister-in-law for your Mola and a sister living here? Is it like having a piece of home here for you? I'm wondering if it makes a difference. Oh, definitely. The that fact that my sister lives... 500 meters down the street is one of the best things ever about here. And the fact that we live here where my eight-year-old can actually cycle there independently, you know, even if we lived in the U.S. 600 meters from each other, I'm not sure that they could cycle there independently. Um, and the fact that my pod was a little bit bigger with my direct blood relation was it's hugely comforting. And I, my, my family in the U.S., I have two sisters there, one in L.A., one in New Jersey, and my parents in New York City. They're in the same country, but they're not in the same place. So, yeah, I'm really grateful that I have Kirsten and Kate here and their three children. Yeah. No, it's, it's I think just, especially this year, the kind of like burden on parenting and couples and everyone being healthy for the sake of their children had this, you know, we all had these sort of nightmare discussions, like what happens if we both get sick? Who takes care of what? And I think as soon as you have a sibling, um, you just feel like your parental responsibilities are stretched in a way that's psychologically more reassuring um, and that, you know, you still miss the rest of your family, but it's amazing even what one or two family members in some proximity means to our like mental health of just relaxing about our fear, if anything. I didn't see my sister the first two months of the lockdown though. Like we were that like strict about it, but <laughs> And Colleen, you mentioned before um, that your mom has been a huge support, being able to call her and speak to her often throughout the past year. And I've got to say, I have the same, just having that almost like, I don't want to say umbilical cord, but being able to call and just talk every day. Can you talk to us more about that? 
Yeah, I think um, I think a lot of people assume that if you live away from your family, you're maybe not as close as you once were, or as other people are living in the same city. Um, but that's never been. I think that's not the case for a lot of people, and that's never been the case for me, at least. Um, my mom and I are really close. We've always been, and yeah, same with my brother. I talk to my brother on a weekly basis, um, and also my cousins in Canada. I'm on regular contact with them as well. So I think I've always had that connection to home through friends and family. Um, what was nice about lockdown was that a lot of my friends in Canada or friends around the world were working from home. So they were much more accessible in a way. So I was able to speak with them more or just have little, you know, chats over messenger or WhatsApp that normally when you're in a busy office, you don't have time for. So I think, you know, maybe also in my situation, having been off work sick, I've had a lot more time to communicate with friends and family back home. And that's definitely been helpful, reassuring, healing, heartwarming, all of the good things. Yeah. Saren, I'm curious, what kinds of conversations are you having at home with your family, with your two sons, with, with Eric, with your Dutch husband during all of this? Yeah, well, <laughs> maybe. Yeah, I mean, with going off of uh, what Colleen was saying and how lucky we were here that our children weren't as affected compared to my nieces and nephews in the U.S. and kids um, of my friends in the U.S. My kids played outside still during this, the strictest of lockdowns. Um, they went to school, back to school relatively quickly. Um, but now I have a kid, my oldest is a teenager, as you mentioned, who's just entered high school. And that feels like a little bit of a different um, ball game. Um, we hear every day of new cases popping up and new teachers getting getting infected at a school. Um, so, yeah, that's been a challenge for me here at home and just trying to uh, try to teach a teenager to be careful and to and to be mindful of this thing. Um, it's it's been uh, kind of yeah more challenging than the last couple months where it just it felt a little bit more. Um, carefree up until up until recently so our zoom call was cut off for a second the joys of pandemic communication but this is a perfect moment for a short break and to reflect there are internationals who go years without seeing their family members i feel like the sense of mobility and freedom deserves its own episode down the road but i wanted to acknowledge that here also, as we're talking, I relate so much to what everyone is saying, while at the same time I realize how unique each one of our journeys are, which only makes me realize how important it is to share these experiences and learn from them. So thanks to Amola, we all got back online for the second half of our call. Yes. Okay, we're back online. <laughs> so we just um, talked about conversations that Sarah was having at home yeah. with her family. Um, I'd also like to know where you're going for comfort. What are you doing to help you through these tough times? Keeping in mind, you know, home, your home is here, but it's also elsewhere. Hmm. What's everyone doing? Listening to more podcasts. That's hard because it hasn't always been comforting, but um, 
right? Like the answer is sometimes just that we ha I haven't found that, but um, I've been doing a ton of online art classes. I took beginner Japanese, or that's not very comforting. Art classes are comforting. Um, beginner Japanese is not comforting. That was just fun. Um, yeah, so art, Mesa, art, and I've been reading a ton. Okay, for me, a ton. I think I'm on my 33rd book of the year, which is not huge for enormous readers and not huge for me 10 years ago, but that's big for, for mama that's me. That's huge. That's still very huge. That's yeah. Huge. For, for the mommy version of me, that's, that's a solid amount of books this year. I would say the same as Yoka. I've been reading a lot. Um, I think, yeah, I think reading is a great escape and has been. So I was, when I was sick, much sicker earlier, um, I couldn't really read my normal favorite genre, which is like real life slash depressing slash anything. Um, <laughs> please give an example. <laughs> I don't know. Like I just like heavy books, like um, like that book we all read, all the light you cannot see. That yes, or that book we all read a couple of years ago, Unclean Leva. What was it again? Tiny, tiny, a uh, tiny life, or a, a little life, somewhere oh, little life. Yeah. That's my. That's, <laughs> that's your usual genre, <laughs> exactly. And then I found, I don't know why, oddly, reading about depressing times was not helpful during lockdown. <laughs> Um, so I started asking people like, what's the most uplifting or funniest book you've ever read? And I got a great list of books and I just started checking some off the list. So, uh, I just finished something called, oh, what's it called? Where'd you go, Bernadette? Oh, I read that one. That yeah. Last yep. year. I mean, they're quick reads, but I think I've needed like light, fluffy, um, fun. So yeah, that's what I've been doing. I've had I a really hard time. <laughs> I've, I've actually had a really hard time reading during during this pandemic. I feel like my mind is so um, it's just hard for me to concentrate if I'm reading. I need it to be something really light. I used to be able to read Dutch books fairly with no problem, uh, fairly easily. But that I realized right away during the pandemic that Dutch books, books in Dutch, were just out. Um, now it's coming back, but yeah, I wished I could have found more solace in reading, but it didn't work. I started actually um, running daily uh, before the streak started and I was able to continue it um, through up until now. Um, so I guess that's where I've been getting most of my um, me time and my, uh, how I kind of clear my head, <clears throat> getting uh, out and out for runs on a daily basis has been a, a lifesaver for me. Yeah. yeah. And then in June, you, you ran and swam every day. I did. Yes. Which, which proved to be just a little too much, but. Yeah. But I think we got lucky. A majority of the pandemic time has been nice weather allowing us to go outdoors more. And yeah. How, yeah, how about been, you, Amola? What's been your reading, as they say in Dutch? I mean, we like, we reverted to like 19th century exercises. I mean, our family took up fishing. We fished and the canal across from our apartment. Did they, you eat the fish? We, had, we were fishing. We like I, I couldn't handle taking the hooks out, so I got needle nose pliers. I had like a whole tool set to like unhook. Amola, tell them the maggot story. Oh yeah, I mean, our, we we like our our go to store is Hengel Sport Two Thousand, which is 
Chinese door 2000. When we went to Aston House Business during this time, they're like, it's like Christmas every day if Christmas had anything to do with buying fishing equipment. And we, um, we would buy live bait, which is like absurd. And we had a whole container of maggots that went loose in our fridge. And when no, we opened no. the fridge door, and there was 150 maggots. That was like my zombie apocalypse moment. A oh, big pandemic. I closed it, yelled people's names, walked out of the house. <laughs> well, I think three days later, we were still finding maggots somewhere. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I just think it's in your house. I just say really move. Yeah. So if you want to have a bad day in a pandemic, you should just let the maggots go <laughs> in your fridge. I need your oldest to teach my oldest fishing. Mine. Yeah. yeah. It's great to see kids chill out in nature. And that's sort of what I was living vicariously through. I think the tension of not knowing what was happening and how I could relax. I also couldn't, couldn't like take solace in meetings. So it was watching other people relax. That meant a lot to me and living a little bit vicariously through them. That was more, uh, more of a task. Um, but yeah, I loved seeing the kids out in nature and uh, picking up animals and, and fishing. Frogs. Our kids are big frog catchers. Yeah. Well, I think that's been interesting just to see what, you know, what's in your control and what's not and and how has that driven the decisions you make on a daily basis and what you take on extra versus not new, new hobbies or what, you know, so much more time at home to do things and what do you end up doing because you can't do anything else. You know, it's, um, but I see. I, I don't think I took up extra hobbies. I I really, but in like in actual lockdown stuff when the kids were out of school, it was sheer. Yeah, that was just survival. And then since then, I don't know. Maybe I've just been working like a crazy person, but I don't really feel like there's been room for hobbies. But maybe that's just where my work is at the, this year. But. And Anuj, my husband was joking. He's like, I wish that I had had that because he was sick with Corona also in March. He was like, why why didn't I have that relaxing Corona time that other people had? I'm like, who had relaxing Corona? I don't know anybody who had a relaxing time. (laughs) You didn't miss out because I didn't see it with people are. I'd like to know who had relaxing Corona time. Right. Who are these relaxing Corona times? I think it's a great time for writers. (laughs) You tell me. Behind the computer anyway and, and and type and now there's you know every, all, all everything points to doing that in a sense maybe so this is just your life right now Hannah yeah I feel like this has just given me an opportunity to to, to write more and to to get back into podcasting for example something that I've put off for four years now and um but I wouldn't call it relaxing I mean there's always the undercurrent of stress and um but it's like, it's, it's now or never. And you know, everything else is beyond my control. So I might as well pour my energy into this. That's kind of how I see it. Mm-hmm. But our time is going by so quickly. So I want to make sure I get this one question in here before we end. And that is what's one thing the pandemic has brought you something positive that's come out of all this, because I don't want this to be a doom doomsday podcast, especially since the first couple episodes are focused on the pandemic. I want to provide people, listeners with inspiration, hearing and being able to recognize stories and things that you've said um, and relate to it because, you know, the world is full of global citizens. Um, so what's, it, what's something that has brought to you? I, I think I just mentioned it. It brought me time to write and to get back into podcasting. So being able to channel my energy into that. So 
something positive that it's come out of all this? What's the silver lining? For me, it's brought like a ton of family time. And uh, my husband, who my entire relationship with him has traveled, you know, four days a week, every single week, all the time. So a lot, I did a lot of solo parenting. Um, we've never had him home so much, in our, like literally ever. Um, it's great. We split parenting time and um, house tasks more than we ever have. So that's a really positive thing. Um, I don't necessarily feel like I have less um, housework because with everybody being home a lot, there's also more housework, you know, like every meal is at home. And um, but, uh, but I have help that I never had before and like help with picking up kids, dropping off children. That's amazing. That's a good one. For me, it brought rest. Actually, I used to, like on the end of that, I used to have to travel a lot and I always had to travel to collaborate with partners and clients outside of Amsterdam. And Amsterdam just felt like a, sometimes a weekend place, which was really exhausting. And what I really loved is that our clients and our collaborators are now meeting us halfway. I don't have to travel to see them. They've evolved. They've embraced technology and they've embraced a lot more collaboration. I feel like it's been much better on the environment to slow down traveling and I'm glad to be part of that slowdown. I will say I had one flight during this time and I went to the airport four hours early because I was so excited to get on a plane. <laughs> but for, for the rest of it, it's really nice to spend more time at home and in Amsterdam and still do the work that we do, which sometimes felt a little bit pulled out of context. You know? And I think that will stay, that, that okayness <laughs> with virtual meetings and all the tools yeah. we've developed to do that. I think we're going to be able to do less in-person meetings. Yeah. And going off of that, um, the best thing that's come out of this pandemic for me is that I was able to pivot my business model a bit and do more of my work uh, online. Um, So I'm able to uh, reach people uh, that live outside of Amsterdam and see people more frequently um, rather than working uh, so locally. Um, So overall, it's been really good for my business. Um, And it was an it was fun to um, be required to come up with solutions and be creative and um, yeah, bring some innovation into, into my company. I needed kind of a push um, to uh, take next steps. And this was a great push. Right. And how about you, Colleen? Yeah, I, I, um, I have a lot of silver linings, um, even with the fact that I've been, sick for much of the last six months um and to preface that that's the lovely title of long haul covid um but yeah for me i think um having my body completely fail on me um was yeah i mean i think i think a lot of people look back on those sorts of instances as turning points in their life and i think i also do now so I think that I have an enormous amount of gratitude the last little while just for what my body is capable of and what it's now, you know, being capable of again. And I think it's easy just to take your basic health for granted until it completely slips away from you. Um, So, yeah, I think as cliche and cheesy as it sounds, I think for me, gratitude has played a big role the last couple months. And... Yeah, like everyone else mentioned, I think the time at home with my family has been really precious. I also traveled an enormous amount the last two years. 
Um, and so it was a complete shift from not being home and leading a very busy life to suddenly being home literally all the time. Mm. Um, but it was an adjustment at first. It was like, where, where can I go? I need to get away from these people. <laughs> um, they're everywhere. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's, it's been great. I do appreciate all the time that I've had at home. And I think, um, yeah, I think, uh, you know, there, there always are silver linings in, in times like this. And I've definitely tried to find them on a daily basis, even when it's been hard. Right. What about you, Hannah? Oh, you said it. Yeah, writing and being able to interview lovely people like you through podcasting. Because, But I really have made my life now about this um, defining home because throughout this whole pandemic, I just realized it's it's such a difficult term in general. I mean, and especially we have that in common. You know, we're all from different places, but we love the Netherlands for so many reasons. We've decided to raise our families here and – but really about finding out where your home is. Can, are you able to define that? It's not a simple answer. You know that we have our roots. We have the place that we raise our own family units. Um, you have the physical space of home. We've been confined behind our walls for so long and, and experiencing what that feels like. So I'm on a mission. Uh, I have a story to tell, and whether that be told through a manuscript or a podcast, it's going to be told, and that is a story of global citizens. and they're, search to find their place in the world and their home. So on that note, I want to thank you all for joining me tonight. I know Zoom calls is like, you know, we try to avoid them at all costs, but I was so excited about tonight's Zoom meeting uh, to be able to talk to my international girlfriends. And I want to thank you all for taking time to do this tonight and to talk to all the listeners out there and the other global citizens of the world. And I hope they enjoyed the conversation as much as I did. And but it did um, make them realize their own silver linings during the pandemic. And um, I hope you all stay safe and healthy and we'll be in touch on our WhatsApp group, boss ladies group, and we'll talk soon. Thank you all. Thanks. Thank you, Hannah. Right. Don't hang up. I'm Hannah Huber, and that concludes our episode of Global Citizens at Home, where we focused on the importance of relationships. Home doesn't necessarily have to be a place. Sometimes home can be shared experiences with friends. Be sure to tune in for our next episode, where I'll be talking to my best friend from home, Heidi, a true global citizen who just moved to Ouagadougou in Burkina Faso this month. We'll talk about the challenges global citizens face when looking for a life partner, job searching, and planning a life in general. Thanks for listening.